Hey guys, I'm Whitney. And I'm Kylie. Welcome to the Midwest Farm Wives Podcast. We are two millennial farm wives raising lots of littles, figuring out how to run ag businesses with our husbands, learning, loving, and living life day by day in America's heartland. If you landed here, you can expect uplifting positive real talk about being a farm wife, mom, and being a woman in agriculture, conquering all God gives us. We are so excited you're traveling on this back road with us. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Midwest Farm Wives podcast, episode 36, the one where we keep our heads above water. And it's just me, Kylie, this week. Whitney and I's schedules absolutely for the last entirety of Harvest have not really worked together to where we can record. So instead of skipping a week because we have an amazing guest this week, we decided that it might be just worth it for me to go solo here for the first few minutes and then get us right into the good stuff. So with the no further ado, I will say, hey, Wit, sorry, you're in the tractor and I had a few free minutes and we miss you terribly. And if you're listening and you turn this off right now, I won't be offended. <laughs> okay, our review is Kelsey from Iowa applicable and aspirational for all farm women. Both Wit and Kylie are down to earth, real talk, put in some elbow grease with a kid in tow type of farm women. It's refreshing and so relatable. If you're looking for both an applicable and aspirational podcast, lifting up women in ag, this podcast is for you. Keep it up gals. Thank you very much, Kelsey from Iowa. Your reviews, your kind words help Whitney and I keep finding time in our schedules and do what we do best. Talk. So a recap, our recaps this week for both Whitney and I, because we've already created the outline. We already have everything in place. So I'm going to update you on Wit's life. They are still in harvest. I think they're starting to get near the end. It's not been a great harvest for her guys. It's just not. Their drought is out of this world. Uh, if you follow her on Instagram, you will get to see the sad, sad corn that they're harvesting. Sorry, Wit. I'm just telling you how it is. It's not fun for her right now. So let's, while we go through this, ag mental health, that's where we're going to talk about today. Let's lift her up in our prayers um, and hope that they get through the rest of harvest and can put this one behind them and look forward to next season. Our harvest update is a little bit similar in the regards that we're nearing the end. We've actually had an exceptional crop this year with the hard start this spring we didn't finish planting until mid-June, which is really uncharacteristic for our farm. Um, we just ended up getting decent weather all summer. We had some really valuable rains late August and in September. And honestly, our crops, not, not horrible. We, we are doing A-OK. -okay. And for that, I am incredibly thankful. We are four-fifths done, I think. And we've had a really good weather run. Very little rain, very incredible weather actually it's been in the mid 70s 80s for harvest which usually we're in sweatshirts and coats by the end of it so we're thankful for that too but we have rain in the forecast this week so we've been out the last couple of days it's been kind of a nice break we have both of our corn headers have had a couple of issues and and if you guys have been following along at all you know that we break down often even with rather new equipment and I think that's for any farm out there. You get going good and then something breaks and it halts all progress. So 
harvest, hopefully when we record again in the next two weeks, we'll both be done and we'll get to go back to our normal schedule. And instead of listening to my incredibly awesome voice, you will also get to hear Whitney and I banter back and forth. Okay, let's go on. I and Whitney both have been seeing a lot going on on social media. And as we approach the election, um, not that we're going to get political on this podcast, there's just a lot of mental anxiety. We're getting toward the middle end of harvest. We see people tearing themselves down. We see people tearing each other down, even though we should all be in the same corner in each other's corner. And for us, that is incredibly frustrating and it's defeating for us too as individuals who are putting ourselves out there to get some hate for various reasons. Um, And I know Wit has so much more to say on this and I hate that she's not here, but if you felt that way at all, if you've, if you felt that way in your personal life and your friendships, when you don't feel like you're validated and you don't have someone cheering for you in your corner and instead they're tearing you down and, and causing you to have issues mentally um, to think bad about yourself, this podcast for you. Ag mental health is incredibly important. It touches everyone's life. I think anybody listening to this knows someone in agriculture, is involved in agriculture, and um, understands the adversity that ag is facing in today's climate. We cannot control the weather. We cannot control the commodity that we're raising, that we're putting so much money and time and effort into. When it gets sold, you can only control it so much, right? You can put futures prices on your corn or your beans, but only if they're available. You can put futures prices on your cattle and your hogs, but only if they're worth it. Um, And you still got to pay for that feed. You still got to pay for labor and time and effort and you care about what you're doing and, and you really want to make a profit, but, but not to be greedy, just to live off of. And in the last couple of years, we've had such an incredibly hard time just doing those simple things. And so I see you out there, farmers and farm wives and farm families, putting your heart and your soul into agriculture. I see you telling your story. I see you working behind the scenes late hours. And I also see that it's really, really, really stinking hard sometimes. So I would say at this point of harvest for Whitney and I and and Bart and Jordan and and our farm families, we're getting toward that stage of exhaustion. (laughs) We've had very few breaks, as I mentioned before, and it's it's tiring. It's tiring as a farmer. I see Jordan come home. He's got these puffy eyes. He's tired. He's not super engaged when he is around because he's just thinking about what do we have to do tomorrow? What do we have to fix or where are we heading? There's such a a mental weight on him as an owner and as a farmer. And then at home for my, for me, Man, I have been around my kids for a long time and, oh, I love them so much. And I know you all can relate to this, but it is, um, I'm to the point where they're tired of me parenting them and being the sole parent. And I'm tired of being the only disciplinarian. And my son and I on Sunday got into a knocked on down drag out, like eye lock in church because I took the kids by myself to church. 
And mind you, I'm like 29 weeks pregnant and this boy is going to be big. So Reese wanted to be held and Rhett colored out of the lines and had a, just a meltdown and I got aggravated easily. And so did he. And I think that just has to do with exhaustion and, and feeling tired of this being our normal. Rhett said to Jordan the other night, do you want to come to our house? Like the kids and I's house, because he's been gone so much. And I'm sure just a little bit that broke Jordan's heart, but in the same breath, we all know why we do what we do. In the same breath, I think farmers are forever optimists. And so, um, like we were just talking about praying for Whitney's season right now, the season that she's in and the, the crop season, I'm sure, I'm just sure because I know Whitney so well, and I'm sure many of you are optimistic in the sense that we can get through today. Let's look forward to tomorrow, but we don't want to, we don't want to waste today. So when you get those feelings of exhaustion, farmers are traditionally known for, I would say men in especially bottling up those emotions. And I think that's where ag mental health gets overlooked and disregarded in a sense. So there's some really great resources out there right now. And I would say now more than ever, ag mental health is in the forefront. And maybe that's because times are really hard. Maybe that's because we're in a time where we feel more comfortable talking about it. But as a fourth generation family farm, we feel the weight of continuing on that legacy. It not only drives us in our business to be, we're prideful of it, but it also is a very, very heavy weight to carry around sometimes. And especially when times are tough financially, you never want to disappoint your parents from the age of zero to the day you die. You never want to disappoint your parents. And so being a generational farmer um, and not wanting to even disappoint your spouse or your kids or anything like that, you carry that weight around. And I think that adds another level of pressure. So I did some research on the Farm Bureau website, and I promise you won't have to listen to me much longer. You'll get to listen to our amazing guest who I'm about to reveal. So stay tuned. Ag mental health, mental health is a topic that we all need to hear about. So I'm going to quote some of this stuff. So just bear with me. It's all from Farm Bureau. If you want to go look deeper there, you are absolutely welcome. Life farm, farm life can be demanding and stressful. It's reaching a critical stage with the coronavirus impacts on top of trade wars, national disasters, natural disasters, excuse me, depressed commodity prices, labor shortages, and other factors. How do we start the conversation? And I think that's where we're all at. So maybe it's a conversation with yourself. Maybe it's the conversation with your spouse or your father or your mother or your friend. You see something's going on. They can't identify it. How do we start that conversation? So it may feel like it's out of our comfort zone, but you can start the conversation in any number of ways, according to the Farm Bureau website. Acknowledge what they're going through. Say things like, I know a lot of people have lost their markets this year, which can be devastating. How are you holding up? Remind them of something they've said and express interest. I heard you say your meeting with John was a disaster. Can you tell me about it? Share a habit you've seen change. I've noticed you haven't come for coffee for a long time. Are you doing okay? Don't wait for them to ask. This is like a big one to me. Don't wait for them to ask for help. I've noticed you haven't come. Oh, wait, my bad. 
you seem to have a lot on your mind. How can I help? If they're willing to reach out, encourage them. I've heard talking to a counselor, a doctor, religious or spiritual leader can be really helpful. Have you considered that? This is a big one too, because I'm notorious for comparing um, my situation because that's how I relate to people. It's not a, it's not a, I'm better than you or my situation is worse or over yours. That's how I relate as a person. So the, the tip is try not to compare their challenges to someone else's or your own, minimizing what they're going through. What matters most is that showing genuine care and empathy and listen. So those are some tips from the Farm Bureau website. If you're observing or you know someone that you care about and you love going through some mental health stuff, let's not even just apply this to agriculture. Let's think in our entire lives because 2020 has been a challenging year. How do we approach them without them saying, I'm fine. Don't worry about me. I'll do it by myself. I'm okay. How do we go about that? And I think that those are some really great tips for us to get started to have that conversation. Five steps the website also offers to help someone in emotional pain is to ask, keep them safe, be there, help them connect with people that are resources that could actually help them and then stay connected. Aren't we all the worst or we all can think of a time where we've reached out, we've done steps one through four, but then we fall off because our lives get busy too. So I think it's important that we continue to stay as connected as we can. That's a lot. I've just talked forever and a day by myself without taking a breath. I think <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. Um, Whitney and I just want to say thank you guys so much again for listening to the podcast. We know the last few episodes have been crazy. We love, love, love to hear other ideas from you for podcast topics. We don't want to be repetitive in ourselves, but our lives go in seasons and each season has similar yet different challenges that we like to talk about. So if you guys have any wonderful ideas, we would welcome all things. Uh, you can absolutely DM us, email us, you know where to find us on Instagram and Facebook. So we'll finish out our quote and then I'm going to send you over to our guest. So our quote is, you carry so much love in your heart, give some to yourself. Okay. Our guest this week is Jess Peters, the one and only see Jess farm on Instagram. I'm going to send it over to me and her because we recorded her part before this was a disaster. <laughs> so just stay tuned and enjoy that. It is a conversation you will absolutely not want to miss. Okay. I am here with Jess Peters. Jess, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Okay. People may not know you by Jess Peters. What would people know you by Jess? Well, if you go by my name on Instagram, it's Jess is awesome. <laughs> Which is true. <laughs> Which, when Instagram changed that, um, that they show your name instead of your handle. I, I took full advantage. I'm not going to lie to you. And that's it. I like it a lot, but it throws me off too, because I knew people by their handle. Yeah. So now I what, see their what full throws, name. What throws me off worse is when people change their profile picture. Yes. Because you get used to that tiny little circle and the colors yep. that are associated with each person. I now, totally I'm, agree. I'm embarrassed to say sometimes it takes like months for me to realize who they are. 
So it's just as awesome and or see Jess farm. If yes. I want to add that in, cause I think a lot of people know you by that too, because you have right. quite the presence on social media. We'll get to that later, but this episode of the podcast has been about mental health and kind of going through those hard times. And I couldn't think of anybody better to talk about it than you. So tell me what you do on your platform as a advocate for agriculture. Just, I'm going to let you take it away. Um, well, it's, it's kind of been a strange journey. Um, it, it did happen fairly effortlessly for me. I'm a pretty open person, um, which is not something I ever thought I would be, to be honest. But, you know, advocating for agriculture, when you think that, when we say that to each other, you're advocating to non-farmers about farming. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's the obvious route of it. And, um, you know, we, we talk a lot about not preaching to the choir, not preaching to other farmers. And not that you don't want to preach a little bit. You know, you can, I could share some things that we do that you don't, and you can learn from what we do. But um, I'm not saying I'm the only one, but at the time of who I was following, and there still aren't a ton of people advocating for mental health in agriculture. Because it's a very big, scary thing to do. Um, and it, it kind of started out as a video of just what it feels like to be a farmer. Um, you know, two years ago, I, I did a video and it just, it talks about, I mean, you know the story. It's, you're in a different part of agriculture, but it's the same feeling. You know, we, I, as a dairy farmer, I'd have a cow go down and then I'd have a, a calf get sick and then I'd have a tractor break that had to go to the shop and that's, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. And you know, all of a sudden it snowballs into, you haven't left the farm for a non-farm reason in months and you feel like you're the only one, you know, farming is such an isolating job. And, you know, with the stresses of farming that we can't control, like we have no control over the price of our product for the most part. Mm-hmm. We have no control over the weather and the growing season. Um, you know, and we grow all the feed we grow to feed our cows. So, you know, it's a very important yet kind of a secondary thing for us. Like everything we do is for our cows and all of that stress on top of the fact that we're, we're not doing it alone, but it feels like we're doing it very alone. Yeah. And, and I, I agree. And the, and the, we're such a small population to talk about mental health and stuff. I think the general consensus is I am a farmer and I am so strong and I'm never going to get down and, and I'm a man a lot of times. Exactly. And I'm never going to show my emotions because that would be weak, considered weak. And, and I think it's great what you're doing. Well, and you just don't even want to, we are so uncomfortable with unpleasant feelings. Yeah. And the bad feelings. And, um, and this, this is a thought, I get these nuggets of thoughts in my head that I'm very particular about the words I use, especially when I write and it's still kind of a nugget in my head I'm trying to piece together. So it's not fully coming out as eloquently as I'd like it to yet. But we need to learn to face those unpleasant feelings, not, not just in ourselves, but in others and learn to show them. You know, if for no other reason, and I am this way, I know I 100% am. There are a lot of things I won't do for myself that I should do for myself. You know, I think in our heads, um, a lot of us think we don't, deserve or we don't have the time you know it's like getting into shape or you Mm -hmm. know taking a day for yourself to go shopping like we feel like we don't deserve to take the time to do that for us but we'll do it for others Mm -hmm. you know if we are too afraid to face or show our unpleasant feelings we should be doing it for our kids you know we don't want to raise 
kids who one are jerks to people who are feeling unpleasant right or two can't work through their own unpleasant feelings and end up feeling the way we do because life isn't peachy all the time exactly it doesn't matter if you're a farmer or if you're a lineman or you work at the school like life is never 100 happy-go-lucky and you know we do that with with babies you know they say you let them cry themselves to sleep like let them soothe themselves and you know for toddlers to a certain extent you'll let them fuss and cry at some point and i you know there's not an age but at some point we tell them to just stop those feelings mm-hmm. instead of letting them work through them i like i'm listening to you talk and i'm i've told my toddlers twice like suck it up stop crying today i mean just today i can think of two instances where it's like okay guys like what are we really crying about and we have to go back and i have to reevaluate the situation just in my own life and say, okay, like, it, let's at least see if they know why they were crying exactly. or talk about why they were crying. You know, and there are instances where you need to tell them to suck it up. Like they've got to learn yeah. as well. But you know, there are times that we as adults, that it's our thing. We're tired and we're exhausted and we just don't want to deal with it. So we tell them their feelings aren't valid. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe, and um, maybe we feel that as adults too. Like we learned that as a kid too. And then when we're emotional, we don't necessarily get the attention from maybe it's a parent or a spouse or a, a friend or whatever that is validating the sadness or the sorrow or the angst or the fear, whatever that may be. Yeah. And you know what I also, and I, maybe I blame Hollywood and entertainment too much, but <laughs> every movie or TV show you watch wraps itself up in a nice little bow. Oh, the end you is know, I know, perfect. I know personally, um, you know, I went through depression. I mean, it's been 10 years ago since I was at my worst and, you know, you still fight it. You you kind of, it never really goes away. You kind of Mm -hmm. fight it little by little. And um, I've learned better how to manage it. I am literally now, um, just lately, I've been opening up more about my journey through depression on social media. And I don't know if it's selfish or not, but it is helping me work through it now, 10 years Mm -hmm. later. You know, I like to think that this is, that this is God's way of telling me now is when I'm ready to work through it. 10 years ago, I couldn't have handled this. Yeah. So I just suppressed it. You know, I mean, it's even bringing up thoughts and feelings that I didn't remember feeling 10 years ago. Um, but, you know, I know back then, one thing I really struggled with, and in high school, especially, this is something a lot of people struggle with, is having friends. Yeah. I honestly didn't genuinely use the word friend until three years ago. I would say it out loud, but I was mm-hmm. like, they're, I mean, they don't really think of me as a friend. Like we're not that close, you know? And that's because none of my friendships looked like the friendships I saw on TV. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't like share clothes or I don't know. I had to come home every day at four and do chores. And none of my friends ever came home with me and did chores. Mm-hmm. If they were my best friends. Wouldn't they constantly want to be with me? <laughs> You know, I so get it. I so get it. it. And part of that's being a girl. Yes. Oh my. Yes. But girls so definitely face face mental health issues that um, men don't. Men do not. No kidding. Yeah. Um, touching on something that you said there, mental health is such a big chapter of everyone's book. And um, while I myself have not had any, um, I don't. I don't feel like I've had any bouts with depression. I think I would know. You know. I'm definitely not having anything now, but I did have some postpartum baby blues that lasted for about six months. And when I was in it, I couldn't tell that I was in it. But as the farther I got out, I was like, whoa, I, 
I was definitely having issues that I did not, I could not recognize. And I read something today that said that fight or flight syndrome. And it's basically like where you get to a point where you say, I don't need your help. I'll do it by myself. And that's like a mechanism of guarding yourself. And I did that every day. People would say, Hey, let me come help with the baby. And I was like, Nope, it's fine. I'm a stay at home mom. I should be able to handle it. I will do it by myself. And I put myself through that for six whole months, basically, because he never slept and I never slept. And I literally was crazy. They say, when you don't sleep, you're basically drunk. That was me the entire yeah. time of my first child. So I, I recognize that now, like I can read stuff now and I can see stuff online and I can relate with other people and say like, this was me. And I had a problem at the time. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. It, it's crazy to be able to look back on it and identify with it so wholly. Yeah. It's, um, it's really amazing how oblivious we can be to it. Yeah. Um, one of the things I've, I've done a couple of talks about mental health and mm-hmm. how to work through it. And one thing that I think is really important is you need to name it. Like I, it really wasn't that long ago either that for the first time that I literally said out loud, I had, and sometimes still have depression. Yeah. And just saying it out loud. The first time I said it out loud actually might've been on a, another podcast and I almost cried. Yeah. Like I just like, it took the wind out of me and luckily someone else went right into speaking. Cause I had to like do some breathing exercises Regroup. Yeah, because the world tells us that that's not okay. Mm-hmm. You know, that it's not okay to be depressed. And you know, for all, you know, I had a good childhood. Like I had a good life. I had a family that loved me. Like, sure. Why was Still I do. so depressed? You know, it, it doesn't feel like I deserved to feel that way. I 100% like I was, relate to that. Yeah. Like statement. I was broken. And, um, you feel like, sorry, you feel like you have so much going for you that your life isn't as bad as others. So you don't, you can't validate those feelings. And I think every single person listening to this will 100% relate. Even if you've never been depressed, you've justified not allowing yourself to feel anything because someone else has it worse than you. Yep. It's like one of my favorite. Um, and I think I've recycled it a few times on mental health Monday one of my favorite things to say is that your struggle is your struggle. Like maybe the person to your right is battling cancer mm-hmm. and that's way bigger than what I'm going through right now. But my struggle, you know, this was last week. My struggle was that I don't usually have to milk Saturday nights and my milker cut off at the last minute and I had to. And that's not even comparable to the person fighting cancer, but I'm still allowed to feel that struggle. Yeah. Aggravated, whatever, whatever that feeling was. Exactly. That's such good points. Okay. So you gave the one really good tip. Is there anything else? If anyone's struggling with handling mental health or they have someone they know that is having issues that they can tell from the outside, is there any tips or tricks that maybe would help a listener feel Um, better about their day or feel better about their situation? I think um, for me, and I know this is really hard to do. uh, I have to say it out loud. You know, even if it's honestly, sometimes I don't have to say it out loud to someone else. Sometimes I'm big into video. And for every video you've seen me post about mental health, there's probably three in my camera roll that I just watch myself. That's and that sounds so like, I don't know, conceited and self-serving. But no, it doesn't. Even just hearing, hearing myself say those words back to me and no one else um, can really be a very cathartic, like therapeutic experience. Or maybe, you know, you need to write it down. 
and read it back. Like no one wants to feel like they're going through those unpleasant feelings. But I think in some way, shape or form, you don't have to post it for thousands to see on Instagram like I do, but you know, just get it out of you in some way. Like, I think you're talking, saying words that are coming out of my mouth, but you're saying them because I, sometimes when I have the most like grateful feeling posts on Instagram or social media or an email to a friend, those sometimes are some of the harder days that I'm having. Like maybe I've had a total crap morning and I'm feeling really crappy. And when I write it and post it and, and am able to read it back or even have the draft in my inbox, like you said, it's like, okay, like I need to listen to what I'm saying. Like, I don't want to be hypocritical. I want to feel the same way. And maybe that's my way of overcoming it. Great, great tips. Incredible. And you got, I mean, you've got to find your thing. Like nobody's going to get through it. Anything exactly the same as the, you know, as I did or you do. Sure. Absolutely. You you gotta, and, and I just, it's really hard, but you have to push yourself and make yourself find your thing. Well, you were offering a really awesome service too. If anyone's not ready to say I'm Kylie or I am Jess, and this is what's going on with me right now, you have created this Google document or this website that you can go and put a secret in. And then occasionally you will share the secrets anonymously. And I think people really relate to that. So tell me more about how that got started and, and, and what that is. I call it secrets of egg. Um, and it started with, there's actually a larger project called Post Secret that um, was started by a man named Frank Warren. I mean, it, it's been like 10 or 12 years that he started it. Um, and what he, I, I don't even know exactly how he started it, but he started having complete strangers send him secrets, postcards in the mail with their secret on it. And they, I mean, they range from everything to, you know, something as simple as the color purple makes me angry to, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I know that my brother raped my cousin, you know, like they're Sounds, very yeah. heavy or they're very light and mm-hmm. nothing. Um, and I just thought I'm a very naive person in that I assume if I've heard of that and I watched and every Sunday he reposts a blog full of those postcards. So I'm naive in that I thought if I knew about that, everyone did. And me, I've been following it for a few years and reading through them. You just, I mean, maybe once or twice a month, there's a postcard that I relate to, you know, it's not like, I mean, he, he gets, I'm sure hundreds of thousands. So, um, but all of a sudden one day I was just reading it and I thought, you know what, what if we did this for agriculture? You know, I think we're a very, for the most part, quietly suppressed kind of people that we're not going to go out and do these big giant national things, like send a postcard to this guy, but maybe they do it, you know, for, me another farmer you know and especially anonymously and not being as technologically advanced as I might appear (laughs) at first I just put the project out there and was like I promise you I won't tell anyone you know I'm not going to discuss it with you but if you'd like to send me a secret and I did get a few and I was surprised people trusted me and then a cousin saw I was doing it and she called me that day at lunch and she's like you can use a google doc and you know set it up anonymously and the second I did that I think in the first hour I got 12 secrets and a couple of them were gigantic, big life altering secrets. And I just yeah. thought, man, this is exactly what we need. And um, I made the promise that every Monday I would repost a secret and I'm not quite as consistent as I should be, but I've also learned, it started out literally as a way, like I said earlier, for people to get things off their chest. Mm-hmm. And the only way, I mean, some of these secrets, I, I feel like you've probably re- been reading them yeah, absolutely. are so big 
they're not things you would tell to your friends, let alone, Mm -hmm. you know, the internet. Or your family. Um, Like if it's about your like family farm or something like that. Yeah. They're heavy. Um, So, you know, the fact that it's anonymous is such a big deal. And, you know, to get that off their chests, I think takes a huge weight off of their, their life and what they do. And um, that was my, pretty much my only thought going into this. Um, It has been so much more than that. Um, It has changed me fundamentally. You know, I like to think I was a pretty nice, empathetic person before, but I had this and I'm always that person that reacts with my face immediately, Mm -hmm. you know, or you get the mean comment on Instagram and like I type out a mean message right away and then I think for a minute and delete it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I pause now because I just think, you know, even those really mean, stupid comments, I just think, what is, I don't have no idea what that person's going through. Mm-hmm. Or what I think is maybe that person has sent me one of those secrets and that's what they're fighting. And they're, they're, if you don't get the secret out or you're feeling, what comes out a lot of times is anger mm-hmm. towards someone else. You know, and that post that you thought was a little bit stupid, all of a sudden you can't stand it and you've got to write that farmer a mean comment. Mm-hmm. No, you know, I, not that yes. that's okay, but... You know, like, I'm sure you've lost it on your kids for something that they didn't even do or that wasn't that big of a deal. Right. That's it. Like it was something so small, but then it becomes this mountain that we have to climb over when it's, you know, you didn't pick your clothes off the floor. Something so small. Right. You do that with um, your spouse or your, your farm workers or anything. If you've got something else going on, it makes things bigger. You know, and I actually had someone, um, they are completely anonymous. Occasionally I'll have someone send me their name with a secret. Yeah. You know, and I haven't, and I promise I have not told, you know, even my best friend or my family, like my mom barely knows how to work the internet, but you know, (laughs) I don't, I talk to her about the secrets, Mm -hmm. but you know, no one knows these people's names, but me, if they choose to share them. And I've had quite a few people message me after I shared their secret saying that was my secret. Wow. You know, thank you. And I had one woman, um, I, I don't even remember what the secret was now, but she messaged me afterwards and she said, you know, I've been angry for months. I just, you know, just like what we talked about, she's like, I snap at my kids. I snap at my family and my husband. Um, it's just been really tense because I've been angry. And she goes, then I, I saw that you shared my secret and I read the comments and I read your comments and I just have been smiling all day. You know, mm-hmm. like it just to, to know someone else, you know, most of the time, most of the secrets I share, someone else out there relates to. Yes. And they'll comment and leave a story. And I make it very clear that it's a safe place. You know, Mondays, I will not tolerate mean comments. No way. With all of the comments I've gotten, um, I probably shared close to 100 secrets. I think I've only deleted one comment. And it wasn't even a mean comment. It was just like a, this is what I believe kind of comment, but it was a sensitive secret. Right. And I didn't think it was constructive. Yeah. What Um, you're doing is incredible. It's incredible. I give you such high praise for it. We will share it along with this episode. I'll make sure Whitney gets it in the, the website, in the link to the episode. And uh, I, I will do a better job myself, even just sharing on Mondays, because you are really making a difference. Like that woman that like that, if you change one person's life with those secrets, like you've done your job. You know, it's, it's funny. We say that with advocating. Like mm-hmm. the reason I share my farm is because if I could change one person's mind about agriculture, yeah, it's worth it. And I think about whether that's, that is truly worth it <laughs> with agriculture, like right. some of the crap we go through. Right. But when it comes to mental health, it's 120% true. If I can help one person feel better, um, 
it, this, all of this has been completely worth it. So I'm going to switch topics on you really quick and we don't yep. have a whole lot of time left, but I want you to tell me about these books that you are writing. Books. Well, I technically have one published. I'm in the process of publishing a second one. Um, the first book was kind of, I mean, I say it was a fluke, but I wrote it. Uh, it's called Farm Nursery Songs. And I just rewrote like, you know, like the Itsy Bitsy Spider or Three Blind Mice yeah. to be about our farm, our dairy farm. And it started, um, so my first book was called Farm Nursery Songs. And I wrote, um, you know, little kids songs to like Itsy Bitsy Spider, Three Blind Mice to, um, with lyrics about our farm. And it all started because my nephew was two and lived in Florida and loved the farm. And I made a book on like, you know, like Shutterfly or someplace like that, like an online picture book thing. And it was just these 11 songs I wrote with pictures from the farm. You know, and the pictures on the page kind of went along with the farm or with the theme of the song. And um, for two years, my family was like, you need to publish this, you need to publish this. And I was like, no, that's not why I did it. You know, I had a coupon or something. So I printed 10 of them and sent them to friends. And what made me publish it was um, I had an extra copy and I sent it to my nephew's preschool. And I, I figured they'd look through the pictures, but it's not like they'd, you know, do anything with it. Well, it turns out the teacher was like every day teaching the kids the songs. And my brother went to pick my nephew up. And one of the parents asked where they could buy this book because their kid was singing the tune to Mary Had a Little Lamb, but they were singing Grandpa Had a Dairy Farm. And they couldn't <laughs> figure out what words, you know, a two-year-old, like you can't quite get the words of what they're oh, saying. Oh, yeah. Um, and he also told me that can like my nephew's teacher would ask him questions about the farm because of the book like just just the like the words and the silly little rhymes and the pictures that were in it and I thought huh you know to me it was nothing and I you know and then someone all the way from Florida who had no idea about agriculture um so it kind of became another like advocating avenue and the second book is more of a storybook but and it's more of the the pictures in it it's not a little red barn on a hill with perfectly <laughs> green grass the cows, the pictures in it are from my farm. The cows will be laying in free stalls. They will be eating out of a bunk. You know, like it's going to show people what agriculture actually looks like. Yeah. I need to send you a, all these pig pictures and have you put one together for pigs. Oh, <laughs> I'm yeah, just man. not that musically creative. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, yeah, I'll do it. I've always wanted a pig. Yeah. They're nice. They're, <laughs> I mean, they're like, they're super intelligent as far as like learning the feed system and things like that. I think all animals really are in that regard. Like they can, um, I mean, they know where to go to get food and all of that stuff, just like we would just, the whole thing is cool. Food is quite a motivator for animals. I mean, it is for me too. So <laughs> true. <that's not laughs> true. No judgment. Okay. Perfect. Jess, you are an amazing person. And I'm not just saying that like everything on this podcast has been completely relative to so many people. Where can, if people don't follow you already, where can they find you on social media? Um, so on Facebook, the page is our farm name, which is Spruce Row Farm. Um, and then on Instagram and Twitter, which I hate Twitter. Same. I am. And TikTok, which I haven't been on much. I'm C Jess Farm, kind of like C Spot Run, C Jess Farm. <laughs> Cute play on words. Yeah. Okay. Well, Jess, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me on.
We sure appreciate all of you listening today. We would love to reach more women in ag. If you would like, please share our podcast with your friends and let us know what you think. You can also find us on Instagram at farmwifeguru and at the grateful farmwife. Be sure to follow or subscribe to the Midwest Farmwives podcast on your favorite podcast streaming app. We'll see you next time. And remember, every day may not be good, but there is some good in every day. Stay grateful, friends.